0: Well, I agree, sisters and brothers, with the bumper sticker. Maybe you've seen it where it says Eve was framed for too long. I think the church and maybe some of us, the male counterparts of Eve for too long, we've looked at Eve and we said, oh, Eve, would you go and do that for this is all your fault? We've blamed Eve, we've even used Eve as justification for thinking certain ways about women and I think hopefully we've learned by now that that is all nonsense. Any guy, I bet any guy in here would have been sitting there and said, "Hmm, I'll take some of that fruit too. I'm kind of hungry." I've seen how some of you eat lunch. <laughs> so, sometimes we got to be we have to be willing to to look at things that are so familiar familiar to us, but do so in a way that maybe is unfamiliar to us. Are you all with me? And so I don't want you to read the creation story and supposed, the supposed fall as something that Eve did. I want you to be able to see what happens in Genesis as something that is very telling of who we are. We often look at that story and think, oh, that's the first time that sin enters creation. Well, that can't be true because the serpent was a part of creation. The serpent was already there. The serpent had already made up his mind or its mind or whatever it is to have different ideas other than God. And so we look at this story not as the fall, but I think it's helpful to look at this story as a reminder of who we've been almost since the very beginning. Because what happens in that story with Eve and the serpent is that Eve is given a choice. Either she's going to trust what God has already said, or she's not. Quite frankly, sisters and brothers, it's that simple. God has already said something. Something else comes along and produces another idea. And Eve has a choice to either go with what God has already said or with something else. And what I think this story is helpful for us uh, to be reminded of today is that we have the same choice. We have always had the same choice choice so we can't sit here all these years later and proudly and boastfully look at eve and say eve what were you thinking because the reality is most of us probably would have done the same thing matter of fact can you make an apple pie while you're at it can you make this fruit real good put some chocolate on it please if we're gonna do it let's do it right at least amen this idea of having a choice goes back to the beginning, and it's not just a one-and-done issue when it comes to Scripture. Think about Moses. You think about Moses delivering the people from slavery to Egypt. You think about him going across the Red Sea. You think about all, that, all that's happened and all that he's seen and all that the people have seen, and he's led the people through the desert, and now he gets to the final part of his life. He knows, everyone knows that, He won't see the promised land. His life is coming to an end. And in these final moments, he recognizes and he wants the people to recognize that just like Eve had at the very beginning, just like Adam had at the very beginning, they have a choice. You remember those words I have put before you, life and death. And what does he tell them? Choose life. The same choice Eve had. And by the way, Adam ate too. Adam didn't have any questions, did he? Adam didn't say, okay, honey. He said, num, 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 num. it was the same choice that they had choose life that you may live. The people had a choice in what and how they would live out their life. And it didn't stop with Moses. Joshua, too, you remember, Joshua now has succeeded Moses, and he's carried the people to the promised land where Moses couldn't carry them. Oh, they've seen great things as well. They've crossed the waters as well. They've seen Jericho come tumbling down. They have seen so many things. And now they have seen the promised land, the very promise of God come to fruition. And maybe as we're reading all these years later, we're thinking about it. Maybe we would wonder, could that not be enough for them? But even Joshua, he is nearing the end of his life. And he tells them, guess what? They have a choice even still. Choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, do you see what's happening? There's a choice that the people of God have always had to make ever since the beginning. Ever since we were put on earth, we have had the same choice, and that is whether to follow God or not. Even Jesus had a choice to make. The beginning of his ministry... I want you to pay attention to the sequence. He's baptized first. He's claimed as a child of God. He's claimed as God's own. He hears the voice. The other people hear the voice. However it works out, depending on which gospel you're reading. He has been washed by the waters. He is now prepared to do what he was put on earth to do, except for this one part. And I love how Scripture says it, Matthew says it, Luke says it, that the Spirit of God led Jesus to the desert. If you're paying attention, that should make you a little uncomfortable. Because I heard some preachers say, oh, the Spirit of God only wants to lead you to blessing, only wants to lead you to good things, only wants to lead you to nice, comfortable things. That's not very scriptural, sisters and brothers. Because as Jesus is beginning his ministry, the very first place that the Spirit of God leads Jesus is to the desert. Man, the lights were supposed to be off today. It was supposed to be no AC in here and hot. I was going to use that as a reference. Like, maybe we're kind of in the desert right now. It's going to be hot and sweaty. But no, we have electricity, right? Right? Always messing with the preacher's stories, man. Golly. We didn't lie about that, by the way. They just happened to be done early. But the very first place that Jesus is led to after his baptism, led to by the Holy Spirit, is to the desert. Matter of fact, I think Luke says that Jesus being full of the Spirit was led to the desert. And that makes me think sometimes we use that word. Or we use that phrase a lot in church. It's part of our churchy language. Oh, we were full of the Spirit. Oh, the Spirit was moving. Really? Moving where? Moving you where? Because, sisters and brothers, the Spirit moving is only giving you a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. Maybe that's not the Holy Spirit you're full of. You might be a little full of yourself or something else because it seems that the Holy Spirit leads us to places that we need to be so that we can discover exactly who and what we are it's the very first place Jesus is led to the desert if you're in a desert right now sisters and brothers if you're in a place in your life where you are struggling to figure out who you are if you are struggling to figure out what god is trying to tell you don't take that as a as a as a form of punishment don't take it maybe it's the blessing of god that you need right now maybe it's the holy spirit that led you there so that you could pay attention to what is most important in your life so jesus is led to the desert And you know this, we call this the temptation of Christ. This is the time when he spends 40 days in the desert and he has nothing to eat. He's there with the the animals and he's tempted by Satan. This is the experience that we base Lent off of, the 40 days before Easter, when we remember the temptation and we remember the suffering. Excuse me. Remember the uh, the fasting that Jesus did, and we try to mirror that. Now, again, I don't mean to poke fun. But I just want to challenge you a little bit. You know, we think about Jesus fasting and being led in the Spirit by the Spirit in the desert for forty days, and then we come to Lent. So when we give up something like potato chips, not quite the same. Maybe God is challenging us to do something a little more so that we can see something a little more. But here Jesus is in the desert. And if you don't realize it, if you haven't been following me right now, what I want you to see is that here in the desert, Jesus, just like Eve, just like Moses reminded, just like Joshua reminded, Jesus has a choice. Either he will follow God or not. It's that simple. You see, pay attention, the, the temptations that Jesus is presented with, these three temptations that Satan gives to him, they're not really bad things. Oh, Jesus, you've been walking around in the hot desert? I know you must be hungry. I'd be hungry. And Satan says, well, if you're hungry, get something to eat. It's okay. Anybody feel bad about getting anything to eat? Not me. So Satan wasn't giving Jesus this bad temptation to do something horrible, do something bad. Just come on, man, you're hungry. Get something to eat. Jesus realized if, if I'm going to follow what you said, I'm going to have to turn my back on what God had already said. And God had already said that I don't live on bread alone. I can do this God's way. Later on, Satan would show him, look, look at all these worlds, look at all the kingdoms. Man, you could be in control of this. Now, all you have to do is worship me, but think of all the good things you can do, Jesus. You're a good guy. People are going to like you. You're going to be able to do great and powerful things. I will let you do that. All you have to do is worship me. But you'll be able to do so much good. Jesus has to think about the choice. Am I going to do it God's way? Or not. Even the final temptation. It seems kind of weird. Hey, we're in this high mountain, Jesus. Just throw yourself down. Surely God will protect you. I'm giving you the chance, Jesus, to prove. To prove to me and to prove to the world just how good God is. I'm giving you a chance to show the power of God. That's I don't know about you, but sometimes that's what I pray for. God, give me the opportunity, give me the place and the time where I can show people how awesome you are. And that's all, kind of, Satan was doing with Jesus. I'll give you the chance to show just how powerful God is. But Jesus had to make the choice. I'm going to do this God's way or not. Sisters, brothers, we need to realize, you and I, that the choices do not stop with Jesus either. That this wandering in the desert, this story of Jesus having to decide how he will live his life is the same decision you and I have to make every single day as well. How are we going to live? Are we going to live God's way or not? Are we going to follow God with all we have the way God has told us to do or not? And I know maybe sometimes you want preachers to you know, unpack it and to make it sound you know, philosophical and, and to make it sound great. And maybe there's some kind of great theological thought to it. But I have to tell you, sisters and brothers, I can't do that. To me, it seems very simple. You follow the ways of God or you choose not to. message is just as much for us as it's always been for the people of god in history what are we going to choose And if i think about some of the things we choose this may seem strange to you but let me unpack it for you but uh, one of the greatest illustrations for us today of of the choices that we make are storage buildings you ever seen a storage building You ever seen like these storage facilities where you can come bring all your stuff and store it in in a garage somewhere else, right? Even even climate-controlled storage facilities. And it just seems odd to me. What's crazy is this is a multi-billion-dollar industry. And and, and and the only way I can seem to uh, make sense of it is, you know, we work so hard. You know, you talk to people and you talk about faith in God. You talk about, you know, uh, living out your faith in church and things like that. Oh, Pastor, I'm too busy. I got to work. And this, this seems like we're working so hard. Some of us are working 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. We're giving everything we had just to make money so that we can buy stuff. And then we buy so much stuff, we can't even keep it in our house. We have to pay somebody else to hold all of our stuff that apparently we didn't even really need or want to begin with because we don't even know we have it in there. You know what we've done with storage buildings? We've made a choice. We've made a choice what our priority will be. Oh, and the list goes on and on and on. I'm sure you know. And what I'm hoping you'll do is look at your life and figure out where in the world have I chose God's way or something else. There's nothing in, in between, guys. There's nothing in between, church, that we, we, we can sort of debate with God or, or to finagle our way through. I've set before you life and death. Choose life so you might live. That doesn't mean live like days. That means live and live abundantly. That's our choice. That's all our choice has ever been. It was so frustrating. Some of you who are older than me know, you know, you finally get to a point. You you see a lot of things. You read a lot of things. You experience a lot of things. You get to a point in your life now you're older. You've learned a lot of things. You realize, oh, you know what? I was so dumb when I was so young. Don't, Don't tell no stories right now, but you know how it is. Oh, I did this, I said this, I thought that, I can't believe I went through this. You get to a point in your life and you feel like, you know what, that was wrong. I'm ready. I am ready. I'm sorry it took this long, but God, I am ready to give you everything I have. And what happens is the world gets full and the church gets full of all the people who are in that point of their life, older and in that and that ready to make that decision. And then you know what happens? Here comes a younger generation. And they just want to do whatever they want to do. And then they don't want to listen to the old people. They don't want to listen to the experiences. They don't want to listen to them talk about all the things they've gone through because, oh my gosh, you're so old-fashioned. Stop it, Mom. I'm not, none of you people. I'm talking about other people I know. What happens is, the same way that next generation has to learn to make the choice. That's all it is. Nothing complicated to understand about it. And part of what's supposed to happen when we come together as the people of God is, this is supposed to be a place where those of us who have made that decision can encourage the other of you who have as well. And that we can encourage and support those of you who are still trying to figure out if that's really what you want to do with your life. And that we have a place and a time and a people that we can gather around that help us make that most faithful decision. Are y'all with me? That's church, y'all. That's what church is supposed to be. Church is supposed to be a place where I am giving my life to help you choose life. Think about that the next time you want to argue with one of your church people. Does the argument at all have anything with choosing life? Do these big discussions have anything to do with choosing life? is what we're arguing about, is what we're giving our time to, is what we're talking about over and over and over, have anything to do with choosing life. If not, y'all with me? You see, sisters and brothers, Jesus wasn't bound after his desert experience by anyone else. He wasn't bound by Satan anymore. He wasn't bound by what other people thought of him or even what other people were going to try to do to him. He wasn't bound with trying to please people. He wasn't bound by trying to make a name for himself. The only thing that he was committed to was living his life after God, pursuing God with everything he had. Giving his life to God in every way. Being faithful to whatever God had called him to do. And that's what he did. And there is such a freedom when you can live like that, sisters and brothers. The reality is too many of us, we're bound today. We're bound by stress. We're bound by expectations from other people. We're bound by our work. We're bound by trying to live up to some strange and wild standards that the world has put on us. We're bound by status. We're bound by failure. We're bound by expectation. We're bound. We are bound and we are bound. And all Jesus ever wanted us to hear was that the son would set you free and you would be free indeed. There is a freedom, sisters and brothers, when you and I choose life. When we choose life, we don't have to worry about all the other stuff. Because God says, you have to trust me with that. And there is a freedom knowing that we can live an abundant life in the name of Jesus Christ. That's all we're talking about. Choosing life so that we can be free to live life. I hope being bound has made you weary. <laughs> I hope being bound by stress and all those other things has been a burden to you because it's supposed to be. And that's why God has shown us something else. That's why God has shown us abundant life. Sisters and brothers, the temptation of Jesus, the temptation is not, oh, are you going to do something bad over here? Are you going to look at this? Are you going to say that? That's not the temptation. Are you going to do this? Are you going to stay involved with this? That's not the temptation. The temptation is, are you going to live how God has told us to live or not? And that's the temptation you and I have to face every single day. May it be Our prayer, that we would accept the freedom that God is giving us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.